And welcome to this episode of the Self-Centered Woman Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Hart, and I am coming to you live from my closet. Actually, I'm lying. I'm coming to you live from my daughter's closet this morning. It's 6 a.m., and this podcast needs to get done. And it was supposed to get done yesterday, but I had a birth. And alas, here I am at 6 a.m., This episode today is playing off of uh, the recent newsletter, which if you are not signed up for the newsletter, please do so. Go to www.reconnectedtolife.com and get connected and you will sign up to receive our beautiful Wednesday newsletter, Recentering Your Wednesday, because life is about much more than getting over the hump. And every week we have a challenge as it relates to one of the four seeds of self-care, which if you are new to this podcast, the four seeds of self-care is the foundation, the jumping off point of everything. So eating well, sleeping well, meditation slash prayer and exercise, consistent practice of these things are causing us to accomplish our goals, foster more meaningful relationships, better connect with our community. So get connected for that newsletter and you'll also get connected to find out about our fun giveaways that we do once a month as well. This challenge this week was about sleep and just challenging you all to prioritize your sleep because we have recently learned that when we sleep, we have a whole system in our brains that clears away toxins. The glymphatic system is a newly discovered system that shows that when we are sleeping is when our brain is doing the most work to eliminate toxins, which is now more and more being thought to be really important when it comes to preventing certain degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia. So the challenge was to really prioritize your sleep, just understanding the importance. That is another aspect of being self-centered is truly integrating the belief that we must show up for ourselves first in those fundamental ways because when we feel better we do better lots of people have said this phrase and I'm sure you've heard it well I'll sleep when I'm dead because I got too much going on to think about sleeping or prioritizing my sleep And my question to you, that's all fine and dandy, sleep when you're dead, but will you live while you're alive is today's question. Because so often we use that phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead, because we're so busy, because we have succumbed to the hustle and bustle of our daily routines, our daily responsibilities, And all of a sudden, it's nine o'clock at night, and we don't know what we did all day. We just know that we're literally dead tired. We know that we're killing ourselves from stress and anxiety. So rather than focusing on 
the hustle and bustle and the importance of that. I challenge us to start focusing on the importance of living our life while we are on this earth. Last weekend, our family took a trip to North Carolina to visit my fiance's family. And that included a trip to the cemetery to visit his father, who passed two years ago from ALS, a tragic, quick illness that people are still trying to recover from, if that's even a possibility. But we went to the graveyard and the babies had fallen asleep in the back car in the back seat and I let my fiance out by the gravesite and just drove around the graveyard the cemetery and just was having quiet time while the kids were in the back seat and looking at all the different headstones and the people's names and dates of birth, dates of death, and the things that were written on the headstones. And some of them had pictures, and so I would look at the pictures and just imagine who they were and what they meant to others. And... I guess ultimately came to the conclusion that lots of people lived and lots of people died and lots of people meant so much to others. Some people had long lives, some people had short lives. But one thing was true, one thing they all had in common. And one thing that I, all, I had in common with all of them, one thing that we all have in common, is that one day we will be there. One day this life will end. And, you know, it's always a hard thing to talk about death because nobody wants to hear it especially in America. We live in a society that does not accept death as a normal process. When it comes to talking about it with children or even processing our own grief, there are stumbling blocks and we can do better. And I believe that when we do better in the area of facing the fact that our life is not promised, our day is not promised, our week is not promised, that we can really start to live more fully in the moment. Because we, when we integrate the reality, the stark reality, that there will be an end. I don't know about you, but that highly motivates me to love people 
more, harder to communicate that love with them more, to make myself as healthy as I possibly can be physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and also to take the time to do the things that I want to do with my life. I'm doing my podcast right now and I'm looking at my vision board. I keep this vision board all year long and I always tell people how exciting and actually unbelievable it is that when you pull these things at the beginning of the year and look at all the things that resonate with you, you don't think about it too much. For me, I just take images, I tear it off out of a magazine and put it on a poster board. And then I watch how, as the year unfolds, these things have been kind of brought to life. And every day I look at it and I find different meaning in it. And so one thing that has really stood out is something at the bottom left of my vision board. And that is a flower arrangement. And it is a wheel sitting on top of a box and a quote from Albert Einstein that says people are like bicycles. They can keep their balance only as long as they keep moving. And obviously I liked that because being self-centered, being a self-centered woman, again, has nothing to do with being selfish, newsflash, and everything to do with being balanced based on the four seeds of self-care as our fundamental, as our stepping off point. And how do we stay balanced? By staying consistent with that. I want to tell you the story about my Aunt Holly. My Aunt Holly raised me for fourth and fifth grade. She accepted me into her own family of already two children. So that right there is a big deal because <laughs> how do you have a busy family and then you take on another child? But she did. And she was the first person to ever put me in dance class, the first person to ever put me in gymnastics, which I became a three-state champion. <laughs> that was back in the day. But I think I can still do an aerial if I try. Anyway, Aunt Holly took care of me, and that was the place where I had a firm foundation of family. I went on to move to live with my dad when I started high school and always stayed in touch, but it was those two years were very formative years of my life, and so... I was forever grateful for her, and we carried on a relationship, you know, my whole life. Um, my aunt and uncle divorced, and she remarried a man who she was absolutely in love with, and he died of cancer, and my aunt Holly never recovered from that, not with her health, not with her emotions. She was just getting by. She wouldn't 
want to move any of his things. She worked from home. So she really became kind of a loner in a lot of ways, voluntarily. I would still talk to her. We would have lovely conversations. And I remember saying, Aunt Holly, why don't you put yourself out there? Why don't you do something just to make yourself happy? What's something that you always loved to do, but you never did it? And she's like, well, I always liked arranging flowers. That was something that really brought me joy. And I'm like, why don't you go and contact a florist and see if you can just go volunteer? I'm sure any business would love uh, a chance to have a volunteer that just wants to go in there for free and help around the place and just kind of learn and practice on arranging, you know, different flowers for different occasions. And she thought that was the craziest idea. And I remember thinking that that was sad to me because I knew that she absolutely could do it. There's no reason that that could would be a thing that would hold her back. Well, for me, it seemed so simple, right? Because I would easily call somebody and ask that question. But to others, it's not that simple. To others, it's a huge act to put themselves out there and do something different. Um, and I just always remember wishing that she would do that, do something more for herself while she is on this earth. And one day I got a call and my granddad told me that my Aunt Holly was dead, that they found her on the floor alone in her home and probable cause a heart attack. And that was almost a year ago. A shocking blow to our family and a couple of um, months after the funeral, I was looking at my vision board and I looked to the bottom left corner of the vision board and there I noticed the flower arrangement. And I'm sure you can imagine it took on a whole new meaning for me because I thought of my Aunt Holly and I thought of how many potential beautiful arrangements she never got to make. And then I looked to the left and saw that Albert Einstein quote with the bicycle wheel that said people are like bicycles. They can keep their balance only as long as they keep moving. And that was from Albert Einstein in a letter written to his son in 1930, dated February 5th, which was the date that my aunt died. So when I talk about vision board and why 
I believe in an idea of a vision board and watching the things that come to life from the vision that we create based on the things that resonate with us. We already know what we want to do. We already know what gives us passion and purpose. We just need to be like the bicycle and keep moving forward, 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 propelling ourselves to do better, be better, feel better, arrange the flowers of our life so that when we get to the end, it will have been worth it. Because the end will come. Don't miss the chance to arrange the flowers. I always think of this poem, The Dash, because how can we not? Surely you've heard it, but if you haven't, I'm going to read it. The Dash goes a little something like this, written by Linda Ellis just to give her the credit, or at least that's what it says on the phone. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's action to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? Before I was doing the podcast this morning, I was reading in Atomic Habits, which I also love if anybody, I know I said I wasn't going to read anything besides Robin Sharma, 5am club, and then I was reading the Everyday Hero Manifesto. But the good thing is that when you feel that you have taken up all the meat of a thing and you have chewed it and tasted and I then digested it's okay to move on but do those things first really feel it really understand and start to integrate it and then move on to something that helps you grow and makes you better so anyway back to the atomic habits which was just so crazy that I was on this part because it was talking about a study a group theory a group think study so an individual was given two cards. One card had a straight line, which I bring this up because we're talking about the dash. One card had a straight line. 
the other card had three straight lines, vertical lines. They were all various lengths. And the task for the individual was to pick the line of the three-lined card that was the same length as the single-lined card. Okay, you got me? There's two cards. One has a single vertical line. The other one has three vertical lines of varying lengths. One of those lines matches the other card's line. So you have to pick which one of those lines are the same length, okay? So the single person, obviously, it was obvious. They picked it out every time because it was obvious. Because when they used their mind, they could see that this line and this line are the same length. Now then, they brought in more and more people and this single person sat by themselves and watched other people answer this question. It was a setup, you know. Those people were instructed to give the wrong answer. Those people were instructed to choose a line that was obviously not the same length as the other line. And then they asked the individual to pick out the line that is the same length. And guess what happened? The more people that chose the wrong answer, the more likely that individual was to choose the same answer that everybody else said, even though they knew instinctively and logically that what they were choosing was wrong. The stigma, the pressure of going against the grain of what everybody else was saying and doing and choosing was too much. And they chose, chose the wrong answer to conform And I tell you that study because that's really sad. That's something that's obvious. And so I have compassion for all of us when it comes to going against the grain of our self-care, going against the grain of living up to standards, being the best that we can be, providing excellent customer service just because it's the right thing to do. When There are few and far between examples these days of people truly desiring to live a self-centered life, even though it's proven time and time again that when you do the simple behaviors of better eating, better sleeping, sitting still in meditation or prayer, and exercising, you will feel better. And when you feel better, you will accomplish your goals, foster more meaningful relationships, better connect with your community. You will enhance your dash. My 
prayer for you, for all of us, is that that dash goes all over the place, up, down, all around, sprinkled with glitter, colored with markers of every shade, squeezed out to the last drop of the life that you were given and meant to live, of the flowers that you were meant to arrange in whatever way that looks like for you. That being said, I want to end this by encouraging you to save the date and be on the lookout because Reconnected to Life and the Self-Centered Woman podcast is going to help you to arrange those flowers in 2024 with a new planner that we are about to unfold and It will be entitled, My 2024 Bouquet of Life, A Self-Centered Plan to Easily Accomplish Goals, Foster More Meaningful Relationships, and Better Connect with Your Community. So this is not a planner that helps you sleep when you're dead. It's not a planner that helps you rush through life from A to Z with all the crap that you have to do in your day that doesn't really matter anyway. It's a planner that helps you arrange your life in such a way that you notice the beauty, that you notice the connections, that you notice the people that make life worth living while we can, that helps you live that dash in the most beautiful arrangement possible for whatever that looks like for you. So I hope that you will grab a copy and go through your day and enjoy it. Slow down, pay attention, be self-centered. <laughs>